Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. So good uh, to have each of you here today. As we continue on in our series of messages, Lord, sink my battleship. Now, as we go back in to the message series today, I, I need a little help with uh, my message today. How many of you guys had a grandparent? Uh, maybe, maybe they're alive or maybe they've gone on to be with the Lord, but a grandparent that you absolutely love and adore. Would you just kind of raise your hand all across the room? Yeah, hey, me too. Um, my, my, my grandpa, my what we call Papa, uh, this is a picture of him and my Nana. Listen, I, I love this guy. And loved the ground he walked on. And I was so grateful to have him as a papa in my life. And Nana, what a wonderful Nana she was. And both of them are on with Jesus now. Uh, but I'll never forget a story. Uh, back when I was, uh, my mama's here, she's already laughing. Back when I was having around my 10th birthday, wasn't it, Mama? About 10 years old. Uh, my brother, who's pastor down Oak City, is less than a year younger than me. And, uh, and so we usually celebrated our birthdays together on the same month. And so we were having this birthday party. We had friends over at the house that we had invited. And listen, Mama made a spread. Man, it was such a good-looking spread. Now, I do want to say this. I remember this story one way, and my Mama remembers this story the other way, okay? But I don't drink. Anyway, so here's the deal. So just go where you want there. I'll never Mama, you made this spread, and it was just beautiful. Well... She had some brownies out there on that spread. I love brownies. It's hard for you to believe. I love brownies. I think they landed out of heaven, right? They're just a beautiful thing. But let me, let me tell you something I just can't do. Let me tell you something that just bothers me to no end that I can't stand. is when somebody takes a God-given gift like a brownie and puts a walnut in it. I, I never understood somebody who would ruin a brownie with a walnut. But my papa goes to that spread. Y'all see where this is going. He gets one of them brownies. He starts eating it. And little did he know that my mama was trying to take him out. She, see, she put walnuts in a brownie. And he takes the choking on it. And I don't mean just a little cough here and there. I mean rush to the University of Tennessee Medical Center to have a life-saving procedure to take that walnut out of his service. Now listen, my papa was a World War II fighter pilot in Japan, fought in the Korean War, and he was going to be taken out by my mother and a walnut. It was unbelievable how all of this transpired. And thankfully, they, they saved his life. So here, this has nothing to do with the message. Moral of the story don't ruin a brownie with a walnut, right? Can I get an amen from anybody in the crowd? Like, don't, don't ruin a brownie with a walnut. And remember my papa and his story. Here's a picture of him on, on his sailboat, the Lady Ruth, uh, after my grandmother. I love him. We're going to come back in just a moment, a little more to his story. Now, the game of battleship is a game of great skill. Actually, it really takes no skill, but it's a fun game because what you do is, is once you plot your battleships and your opposing player plots theirs, you do your best to guess the coordinates of their battleship, to call out those coordinates in succession. And once you hear that hit, you continue to fire upon their battleship until ultimately you achieve the coveted phrase, you sank my battleship. 
And the question arises, what does this, if anything, have to do with the church? Well, for the past uh, couple of months, our staff has been studying in a book called Gaining by Losing by J.D. Greer. He spends three paragraphs talking about the three different models of the church. There's the cruise ship model of the church, the battleship model of the church, and then there's the aircraft carrier model of the church. Now, it's been our hope that as we've looked at these various models of the church, for us to uncover via Scripture what it looks like to have a biblical, a Christ-honoring church. What was God's design for His church, to have his mission and his heart for his church. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at the cruise ship model of the church, a model that says this, that the church really caters to me. The church ought to be centered around me and consumer-driven enough that my happiness is its number one goal. After looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, it didn't take us long to get to the place where we cried out, Lord, sink our cruise ship. Well, last week, We looked at the battleship model, which asserts that really it's the church institution, uh, the pastors and the church staff who do a majority of the fighting, a majority of the work of the ministry of the gospel. And we began to study scripture like in 1 Peter chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 4, that reminds us that every believer in Christ are priests and ministers of the gospel. And soon enough, through his word, We came to the place where we cried out, Lord, sink my battleship. Began to see that that really wasn't of God either. And so this week, we look at the aircraft carrier model of the church. And instead of praying, Lord, sink our aircraft carrier, we are going to pray this, Lord, send us as fighter pilots from this the aircraft carrier that is your church. Send us into this community. Send us into the world. Now, we've walked the decks of the cruise ship model of the church. Realize we don't want any of that. We have marveled at the might of the battleship model, but realize it's broken and obsolete. But today we land on the model of the church that I I pray for, that I labor for, and that I long for. The aircraft carrier model. J.D. Greer would write this in his book. Like battleships, aircraft carriers engage in battle, but not in the same way. You see, aircraft carriers equip planes to carry the battle elsewhere. To carry the battle elsewhere. A couple of months ago, my father sent me a lot of my papa's Military correspondence, his citations. I mean, the actual papers that were in a typewriter and written out for him many years ago. I found a folder that was written by his hand. It said, Special Orders, beginning April 21st, 1943. And so that's when this very folder, and, and you could tell by age and color, it's, it's unbelievable all the stuff in here. And I have this folder, but I have many more, and I have hundreds of, of papers of his. But I came across just a, a unique citation he received, an air medal he received. And I wanted to read it to you. I'm going to be very careful. Every paper clip that was used is rusting away. Every metal clip, these papers are thin. And listen to one accommodation, one citation he received that I love. 
He was awarded the second bronze oak leaf cluster. And it says this to Captain Howard J. Kendall. Look how thin that paper is. Of the Air Corps, United States Army. For meritorious achievement while participating in an aerial flight on the 19th of April, 1945. As a pilot of a fighter-type aircraft, he destroyed one enemy aircraft over the Japanese Empire. Displaying high professional skill, courage, devotion of duty, which reflect great credit upon himself and the Army Air Forces. I love that. Man, what an incredible honor for him. As he destroyed a Japanese aircraft over the Empire of Japan. And what amazes me is whether it was from aircraft carrier or a base, my grandfather knew exactly what his mission was. And that mission was to take the battle to the enemy, was to meet him out there on the front lines. And what we're going to begin to see in this aircraft carrier model that we long for and labor for is that's the very heart and the mission of the church, to take the fight to take the battle to the front line of God's mission to save this very world. Hey, did you know this? That there are 44 active aircraft carriers serving in 14 different navies around the world. Now, the United States of America has 11 of those large aircraft carriers that are nuclear-powered. They're the strongest on the planet, and each can hold up to 80 aircraft whose job it is to take the battle elsewhere. You know, I start reading stats about these ships, about an aircraft carrier. You know what I think in my heart? America, right? Like, you just get that inside. I'm waiting for Lee, Lee Greenwood to come out here and start singing. God, you know, anyway, I, I love it. But you know, this morning, as we gather together as church, I think there's a bigger question. How many churches today are operating as aircraft carriers? How many churches really are taking the fight to the enemy? I'm reminded of what Jesus said to Peter. As Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, what before the disciples and before Jesus say this declaration, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In verse 18, Peter would look, or Jesus would look to Peter and say this, hey, Peter, Upon this rock, I shall build my church. And listen to these words. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You ready? For churches who want to triumph over the gates of hell, we must pray that God sink our cruise ship, sink our battleship mentality in us, and we must embrace the mission and the purpose of the aircraft carrier model of the church. This means this. You ready? You ready? Here at the aircraft carrier, right now where we're meeting at Connect Church through Sunday morning gatherings like this, through groups and children and student ministries, college and young adults and missions and so many more, man, we must be busy training, equipping, and sending you. You are the fighter pilots who go out and engage the enemy on the front lines of the battle. And you say, well, Anthony, where are, the, where are the front lines? You ready? The front lines are your marriage. The front lines are your home. The front lines are your children. The front lines are found in your schools, in your workplaces, in the businesses you own and you run. 
The front lines are found at the supermarket. The front lines are found on the ball field. And there are front lines between this location right here from here to the very ends of the earth. You know, those front lines, men, are the place where we ought to be fighting for our marriages the most. Men, don't you go AWOL on your wives. Don't you surrender. Wives, those front lines exist in your marriage with your husband, your parenting, moms and dads, and grandparents who have to raise grandkids. Those front lines exist anywhere where people are lost, where people are hurting, where people are broken, where the enemy seems that he has claimed victory over certain ground. Those are the very front lines. And remember this, as an aircraft carrier model church, it is our heartbeat, it is our mission to take to the battle to the enemy there, to the front line of God's mission to save the world. Now, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hanging out on this aircraft carrier in Scripture. Now, next week, we're going to, we're going to love on moms, so we're going to take a break, okay? We're, we're going to love on all our mamas, even the ones that try to kill your papa with a walnut, right? We're going to love on all of them. We're going to help remember moms well who've already gone on to heaven. It's going to be a great Sunday. And then soon enough, we'll be back on this aircraft carrier. But this week, here's what we begin to look at. What fuels and what is the power behind you and I, the fighter pilots? What fuels us, what powers us as fighter pilots as we go from here? You see, last week we talked about the church institution, right? The pastor, church staff. And we begin to talk about how that really isn't the model where they go and they fight it alone. And I want you to hear me. I love our pastors. I love our staff. We love our calling here at Connect Church, our calling to make disciples and to equip believers, to walk in holiness, to love, to serve, and to follow Jesus. And by the way, I'm not downplaying pastors and and church staff in their roles biblically, the importance of our team biblically, nor am I, hey, by the way, nor am I downplaying the importance, the vitality for the believer of gathering together as commanded by Scripture. The author of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 would remind us, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, some in the habit of doing. But let me let you in on a little secret this morning. Far more powerful than the church institution is the indwelt Christ follower who joins in the fight. Hey, far more than just the church institution, pastors and staff, far more than them just fighting alone is when all indwelt Christ followers join in the fight. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 13 together. Ephesians 1, verse 13. And listen to what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 1, 13. He says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel 
of your salvation. And he goes on and says this, when you believed, I love this language, watch this, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And the question of what is it that fuels us? What is the very power behind us as fighter pilots, as believers, where God has sent us? You ready? One person, the Holy Spirit of God is our fuel. The Holy Spirit of God is our power. I love this language of being marked and sealed here in the Greek language. Now, to to be sealed meant this, that an owner would place his mark on you. And this happened in everyday Greek life. In fact, if you were a Greek merchant and you went in and you bought a sack of grain, you would put your mark, your seal on that grain. And you know what it signified? I own it. It's mine. And it's under my care. That would happen out on the farm as well. Animals would be marked. They would be sealed. They would be branded with the owner's brand. It said this, listen, hands off. That's mine. It showed ownership. And here we have this beautiful picture of what happens when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We are marked by God. We are sealed by the very Holy Spirit who now lives in every heart and every life of every single believer. It's an incredible reminder from the Word of God. And I want you to hear me, Christian. Sometimes we believe this is a solo mission, right? Jesus saves you, and you go it alone. Good luck. Try your best. And we feel as if we have to live up to this Christ-like life all by ourselves. It is a reminder that there's not one single believer in this room who's gone solo in their mission. Because you've been marked. You've been sealed by the very Holy Spirit of God. And can I remind you something about the Holy Spirit of God? He is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And what a vital and important part of every believer's life. You know, I got to read in a book not long ago called Forgotten God. In fact, years ago, Written by Francis Chan. If you ever want to study more on the Holy Spirit, not only read the Word of God, but this is a great companion book to come alongside. Forgotten God, because what he asserts is, is that the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God of the church today. And I pray that's not the case here. But I want you to listen to what he writes. He says this, The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but to be different, and the world cannot help but to notice. But to notice. You see, it's a reminder that the very Spirit of God that has marked us and sealed us, that lives in us, is the fuel and the power behind living out God's calling in every believer's life. To be priests and be ministers 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, here's the work of the Holy Spirit. And what I wanted to do in just this part of the sermon is just to give you a little bit of his resume. To give you a little bit of what he has to offer to every believer. Now now listen, I'm going to spend the next minute trying to read this strong and fast so you can get a glimpse of what he does. And I want to tell you that I'm going to fall very short in this listing. In fact, I could spend the entire sermon and the entire rest of this day fleshing out for you what you have in Christ and his spirit living in you. But here's his resume a little bit. You ready? Titus chapter 3 verse 5. He gives us spiritual life. He makes us part of the family of God in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. He sets every believer apart for service in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. He is busy making us holy in 1 Peter 1, 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. The Bible says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He separates, listen to this, you ready? He sets us free. From the very bondage of sin. He pours out God's love into our hearts according to Romans 5.5. He produces in us joy in 1 Thessalonians 1.6. He unifies us in Ephesians chapter 4. He guides us in all truth in John chapter 16 verse 13. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10, he reveals deep spiritual truths to us. In John 14.26, he helps us to understand and remember the word of God. He produces spiritual fruit in us according to Galatians 5. 22 and 23, and he's interceding for us even right now, says Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. And again, I could go on and on, and I have barely even scratched the surface of the Holy Spirit work in the heart and the life of every believer. To quote Francis Chan again from his book, I love this. His prayer is, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this in my own power. Let me ask you something. Are you living a life that is unexplainable? You see, we can only live an unexplainable life when the very fuel And the power that lies within us serves us on to the mission of God to take the fight to the enemy on the front lines of his mission to save the world. Look back in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul writes that according to the riches of his glory that he may grant you to be strengthened with, with power, dunamis, through his spirit in your inner being. Church, My goal today is to remind you a thousand times that the very fuel and the power behind you and I taking this battle to the enemy, serving on the front lines of God's mission to save the world, that very fuel and power is the Holy Spirit. It's the very very one. He is the very one that powers us to be priests and ministers of the gospel, sharing the gospel and making disciples. Not on a solo mission as a fighter pilot, but we must recognize this, that we have a wingman that is at work with us and in us every single step of the way. You see the Holy Spirit of God. 
Hey, far more powerful than just the church institution trying to do the work of the ministry of gospel alone is the indwelt Christ follower joining the fight. Jesus would teach of this power, this necessity, this fuel for every believer indwelt by the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. Let's hop in on this conversation with Jesus and the disciples. And listen closely to his words. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says to the disciples, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, Jesus says, the advocate, I love that word in the Greek, it's paraclete. It means help. It means one who comes to the aid of another. That unless I go away, Jesus says, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. I just want you to put yourself in the shoes of the disciples for a minute and go, how ridiculous of a statement does that sound? Think of it. Here is Jesus before them physically, and he says, it is better for you that I go away physically. The the very Jesus that they had left everything for and followed for three years. The very Jesus that they would hugged, they talked with, they ate with, they cried on. The very same Jesus they did ministry with, did miracles with, is telling him, it's better for you that I go away. And my question is, how could that be better? How could that be better? I love how J.D. Greer puts this. He says, how awesome would it have been to walk around with Jesus, right? Hard theological question, bam, Jesus answers it. Like you're at a church function, you run out of checks mix, bam, Jesus multiplies the crumbs you have left over, enough for every guest, and 12 bowls fulls of checks mix afterwards, right? I love this part. Your dog gets hit by a car and dies, bam, Jesus raises your dog back up to life. Your cat gets run over by a car, and Jesus goes and helps you dig a hole and bury your cat, right? Now, now don't you cat lovers email me mad. That was J.D. Greer, okay? He's at Summit Church. you just mad at him. You know, honestly, this morning, if I were to give you the choice, on this side, physical Jesus that you could see, that you could touch, that you could hug, that you could hear audibly, or spiritual Jesus, his spirit. The majority of us probably would go with physical Jesus. To be honest, give me physical Jesus. But let me remind you of part of this better discussion Jesus was having. You ready? Peter had physical Jesus and still denied him three times in the courtyard. The disciples had physical Jesus and abandoned him in the darkest hours of his life. Hey, Judas had physical Jesus and still gave him up for some coins. Jesus taught it is to every believer's good that he joined the Father physically in heaven so that you and I could have the very one, the fuel 
to our mission, the power behind our strength, our spiritual stamina, our success in the calling that God has for us, his Holy Spirit. And this just isn't for the church institution, the pastors and church staff. They're not the only ones who are called, commissioned and commanded with the ministry of the gospel. It is the ordinary believer who is filled by faith with the extraordinary person of, the exponential power of, and the inexhaustible work of the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. And so if you're taking notes, here's three takeaways from this morning. You ready? Number one, as Connect Church, we desire, we labor for, and we long for us to be an aircraft carrier that sends every believer in the room out as fighter pilots to take the fight to the enemy on the front lines of God's missions to save the world. And so we've been praying, Lord, sink my, a battleship and sink my cruise ship. But today we pray, Lord, send us out as fighter pilots in your mission. Here's the second takeaway. By faith in Jesus, hear me, church, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You are not abandoned. You are not alone. You don't go solo on this mission. You have a a wingman who's at work with you and in you. To see that there is success for you in the mission that God has called you to do. And number three, don't let the Holy Spirit be the forgotten God in your life. Let him fuel your faith and your fight. But don't let him be the forgotten God. You know, his dad sent me all of these... uh, these pictures. This is my favorite picture of my, my grandfather. His buddy in a P-51 Mustang next to him shot this picture as they were flying a mission over Japan. I love this picture of him. You know, I found some more stories, and here's one of my favorites. And in the next couple of sermons, we'll hear a couple more stories, but this is one of my favorite stories. This is when uh, and, and listen, man, my papa had so many medals. But this is one in particular that stuck out as I thought through this message. And it was awarded the Air Medal and uh, by order of the president. Here's what was typed up. Now, at the tops of these papers, there was a restricted. It's, it's, it's marked all as restricted, meaning uh, this was not something at the time that he could publicize. This was in-house. Well, listen to this accommodation. The first lieutenant, Howard John Kendall, Air Corps, United States Army, was awarded this medal for meritorious achievement while participating in an aerial flight on the 21st of January, 1945. As a pilot of a fighter-type aircraft, Lieutenant Kendall took off in very poor weather to search for a pilot who was forced down at sea. In complete disregard for his own safety, Lieutenant Kendall flew inside of a storm area where he located the pilot by die marking on the water. Shortly thereafter, Lieutenant Kendall saw a PBY aircraft and gave him a visual signal to join the orbit over that pilot. And as soon as the PBY aircraft was in circle, 
my papa went in search of the crash boat. And locating it, ran a constant shuttle run between the PBY aircraft and the crash boat. And the citation goes on and says, and was largely through the efforts of Lieutenant Kendall that a distressed pilot was eventually rescued by the crash boat. Lieutenant Kendall displayed a high professional skill, courage, and devotion to duty, which reflected credit upon himself and the Army Air Force. You know, I read this, this medal, this award, this accommodation of my papa. And y'all got to thinking, that pilot who was forced down into the water in the middle of that storm had no idea the friend he had in my papa. Had no idea the help that was on the way because my papa heard he was down. And he would fly. He would take off in the storm. He would fly into the heart of that storm in complete disregard for himself because he was unwilling to leave his friend, his fellow soldier. He was unwilling to abandon him and to leave him alone in the water. That pilot who was in the water amongst the wreckage of his his fighter plane had no idea the friend he had in my papa. You know, then I take to reading scriptures and I begin to read about the Holy Spirit. And you know, I begin to think, you and I don't know the friend we have. Don't know the helper, the counselor, the comforter, the, he, the healer, the intercessor. We don't know the power and the strength. We don't know the friend that we have in the very Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, I got to thinking through my life. I was saved at the age of 15, and now I've been saved more years than I wasn't. And never once in this mission that as a believer God has called me, never once has the Holy Spirit ever left me alone. Hey, never once has he abandoned me. And even when our lives are a wreck at times, even when we feel as if all we're doing is lying amongst the wreckage. The Holy Spirit, He rescues us. He restores us. He leads us to repentance. And you ready? He continues to recruit us in the service of our great God. Hey, church, you don't know the friends you have in the very Holy Spirit who lives in you. Lord, would you send us as fighter pilots from this aircraft carrier today, fueled and powered by your Holy Spirit, 
Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.